title of the sermon today is Cradle to the Cross. When I was in fifth grade, I was given a gift. And what I want you to do right now is I want you to think about that gift from your childhood that stands out, that's pronounced, that you remember. You got it? Because this wasn't mine, okay? I'm just going to tell you what happened in fifth grade. In fifth grade, I received a gift. And it came in an old, beat-up case. It looked like it was straight off the Titanic. And I opened it up, and what was inside looked like it was straight off the Titanic as well and had lasted for years at at, at 20,000 feet under the sea. It was a clarinet. And I think it was my grandfather's clarinet that he'd had you know, kind of refurbished for me. So my parents hand it to me, and I say, well, what do you do with this? And I say, well, you put it together, and you blow into it, and you make notes, you know, you kind of do this. And, and then you play an instrument. I thought, wow, that's fantastic. So I took it to school. I joined band, and I was so robust and excited about playing this thing, I would go out, like, on the playground at, at recess or lunch, and I'd put that thing. You know that you can blow into a clarinet and make noise? Did you know that? And, uh, and I did that, and uh, I will just say that it was a lonely life after that. <laughs> I, couldn't, I could see for miles and miles, because nobody was around me when I was sitting out there squawking on that thing. And then uh, by, by my second year in band, I kind of learned a little bit about how to play it. And, and you know, as you get an instrument, you start kind of learning it, and then you start trying to pick up tunes that, that are on the radio or whatever. So not that I'm going to date myself. I'm going to date you. Um, I learned this song, the Coca-Cola song, right? Anybody? I like to teach the world to sing. Oh, see, now you're dated. Now you're dated. And so I learned how to play that, and nobody else in band was as motivated as I was, and I was kind of goofing around with that. And so the leader of the band, the conductor, said, hey, you're going to play that at the sixth grade assembly. And I thought, wow, that's fantastic. And so I got up, and I played it, and I only had two squawks, and that started my Coke addiction. It was incredible. Not that Coke, like drink, like Pepsi, Coke, addiction. And, and I just fell in love with soda, not music, but soda. And so uh, we'll get back to that in a minute. But that was a gift, and it kind of worked out, but I didn't really make a connection with it. I didn't really make a connection with it. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. That's where we'll be this morning for the first part of the message. And this morning as we look at the cradle to the cross, we're going to look at angels, we're going to look at shepherds, and we're going to look at ourselves. So let's start with the angels, shall we? The angels made the connection. The angels made the connection. As we look in chapter 2, we're going to read verses 8 through 14. It says this, And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good good news of great joy, There will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 
And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So the angels made the connection. What connection? Well, the connection between the cradle and the cross. And so as we look at that, you might be saying, well, pastor, what are you talking about? It's just the same story that we've heard over and over. I don't think it is. Because I think most of the time when I come and I, I, I think about Christmas or I'm reading the, the narrative of Christmas out of Luke 2 or Matthew 1, I'm just focusing on the child, the baby, and shepherds and angels and Bethlehem and donkeys and things like that. And I've been missing something this entire time. And it's right here in the story. Let's see if other people have been missing this connection as well. You see, the angels made the connection. That night when they made this proclamation to the shepherds in the fields, they didn't just talk about a baby. They talked about much more. Look at verse 11, will you? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a what? A Savior. Now in the same proclamation, the angels have talked about a baby, haven't they? You'll find a baby wrapped in claws, lying in a manger. They talk about this great birth. We get all that. But you know, the angels made the connection that it was more than just a birth announcement. It was more. You see, what was happening that night, in that moment, in that time that they were proclaiming, the significance of that would be found later on the cross. And they did not leave us without that information. Because they said, a Savior. A Savior. And who is that Savior? Christ the Lord. Now when an angel says, Christ the Lord, to a a Jewish shepherd, it means something. It's significant. It's a title. It's like my children walking around the house. And I'm coming down the stairs. And Dylan stands outside of his room. And he heralds, all those who care, King Jeremy is descending. No, they don't do any of that. I wish they did. That'd be nice once in a while. But it doesn't happen. The angels made the connection. And it was significant. You see, that it's not just about the cradle. If we don't take the cradle to the cross, it's just another birth. It's just another birth. There was purpose behind the cradle. And the purpose is the cross. Let's look at this really quickly. Christ the Lord. This is significant. The angels are saying to us that the reason that this needs to connect is because you are longing for something more. You are longing for something that goes beyond what you can provide for yourself. Are you longing today? Is there something that you have been searching for? Because those shepherds were searching. The nation of Israel was searching. And now the angels proclaim it. Christ is coming. He's here. 
And oddly enough, he's in the form of a child, a baby. Go. Go. Well, my career with the clarinet didn't last very long. I realized that um, you can't lead worship with a clarinet around a campfire. It just doesn't work. You know? It was bad enough I didn't, you know, people would just evacuate away from me when I was trying to make beautiful music come out of this thing. So when I was in college, I picked up the guitar. I got a gift of enough money to go to a local pawn shop. You ever done that? I went to a local pawn shop. I got my first guitar, right? And I taught myself how to play. And I learned how to play chords. And the next thing I know, in my youth ministry, I started getting called on, hey, Jeremy, we need music tonight. And so could you, you know, lead out and, and you know, bust out some Pharaoh Pharaoh or something like that? And so I'd, uh, I'd get up there and I was notorious for getting about halfway through the song and then my pick would fly into my guitar hole. <laughs> and the rest of the song was a choreography of me trying to play and shake the guitar upside down, you know, and, and get that pick to fall out. Yeah, no, it's worse than what you're picturing. <laughs> Trust me. But I, I, I elevated, you know, because the clarinet wasn't working so well. So I went into playing guitar, and I loved it. And even to this day, uh, I've been blessed to have multiple guitars. I've given guitars away. I've been able to play with some of the best guitar players in the world. Not in front of anybody, but, you know, just kind of connecting up. And uh, I, I had the opportunity one time to, to play with Dennis Akajanian, any bluegrass uh, fans out there, one of the world premier bluegrass players. And uh, he gave me a lesson at the poolside at Hume Lake one afternoon. Just incredible opportunities. I love to play guitar. And I've been able to go all over the world, Hong Kong, Israel, um, Rome, um, uh, uh, Africa. And play worship songs. Been gathered in, in streets with thousands of people gathering around and just playing guitar and letting some of our students sing the words of Christ. Incredible opportunity. And that was a great gift. But what happens next in this story? The shepherds make a connection. Let's look at it. Turn back to Luke 2, if you will. And we're going to go verse 15 through 20. You ready? When the angels went away from them into heaven, and the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So the angels make a connection. That passes on to the shepherds. Now the shepherds have made a connection. Let's look at a particular verse here, shall we? We're going to look at 16 and 17. It says, And they went with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying 
that had been told them concerning the child. So what's significant about this verse? Why do we pick it up? Let's look at these words. Number one, they went with haste. This morning, there's two groups of people in this room. There are those that have already placed their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That faith has welled up within them and they're still to this day seeking after Him. But there has been a realization that even though they can't touch Him, even though they can't see Him, there's faith because the Holy Spirit has come upon them and inspired them to reach out to Christ. There are those who are not there yet. There are those that need to seek. There are those that have yet to believe. Let me talk to the individuals right now that have made that step of faith. We're going to look at this connection that the shepherds had, and we're going to compare it to those in the room right now that have faith. You see, they don't go in haste unless they what? Unless they believe. They don't proclaim, right? They don't make known what the saying was by the angels unless they believe. These are two definitive signs of those who are acting in faith. You know, last night we went out with the choir to Union Square. It was a phenomenal time. It was absolutely fantastic. And we were a little nervous. We didn't know how this was going to happen. But uh, half the world was in San Francisco last night. It was just a joy. It was just an absolute joy. And, um, and so we got into Union Square. And we're kind of scared. So we start kind of off to the side. And we warm up. And then we, and then we started singing. And it was beautiful. It was almost angelic. And the connections we were making. Well, one in particular was a city worker who kicked us out of there. That was a great connection. <laughs> Phenomenal connection. So we had to circumvent the actual square and go on the corners. And there was a point in time where we're standing there at Macy's and, um, and we're singing. And in front of me is this freeway of consumers. Folks, they were in haste. They were in haste. Just going so fast to go get something. And here's the fascinating thing. I can see many of them smiling. We were smiling. But I can see many of them smiling. Sometimes, as those who've placed their faith in Jesus Christ, we become hastened to the wrong things. And our connection gets very fuzzy. And you can come to a Christmas moment and just focus on the cradle and never understand that the cradle is connected to the cross. We lose that connection. It's kind of like, you know, dial-up, right? You remember those days? They told me not to do this the second service. It was horrible. Was that any better for those? No, probably not. I was really nervous to try to do it again. Anyway, that's how bad dial-up was. But for those of you who remember dial-up, the connection would get hinky sometimes, right? Folks, if you name Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, hasten to Him in worship. And you're going to find your connection is really clear. You're going to find definition. You're going to understand how the cradle is connected to the cross. 
You're going to experience the peace that He promised. Peace I, I give to you. Peace I bring to you. The second mark of those who know Jesus Christ is what? That they made known the saying, we proclaim Jesus. The shepherds, I, I don't really know how the faith thing worked, but they in faith left where they were, which is not a recommended thing if you want to stay employed as a shepherd at that first century time. They left where they were and pursued and went and found the babe in haste. Sometimes we drag to do anything for Jesus, don't we? And yet, what did they do? They proclaimed to those that were there what they had experienced. And what was the result? They marveled. They wondered at those things. Even Mary pondered them in her heart. The result of what's happening inside of us because of Christ needs to be proclaimed. That is the evidence. Where is your connection? Last night I saw it. As we're watching the freeway of consumers moving back and forth like an ocean of... That's Yiddish for not so good. We kind of had a break in the confluence of consumers. And suddenly, we're almost done. It wasn't one of our best shows. You know, it was like the fourth of the night. We're getting a little tired. And, and people weren't really paying attention. And I was starting to drag a little bit. I, I didn't have... Uh, Steve was just shaking his head at me. He's like, what are you singing? And, um, and so we were almost done. And all of a sudden, this guy just shows up. He comes bounding in. Well, you know, and he's right across from us. He's kind of by, we're outside of Macy's uh, and, and singing there. And kind of like where that guy with the chestnut, if you've ever been out there, he, he's doing warm chestnuts. This guy bounds in right next to that guy and he's just looking at us like. And he, he said, I think he actually started conducting us too. It was great. It was such enthusiasm. And, and so when we finished, this guy was compelled to reach across the dangerous waters of consumers and say thank you and proclaim to us how that blessed him. What a stark contrast to all the people in the flow going back and forth. Missing the point, not making the connection. This guy made the connection. And he bounded after it. And he was exuberant. And we started singing better. And angels shut. No, okay. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. We can make the connection as well. Turn to John 3.16. As you do, my progression of music, that day that I, I had that lesson at the poolside with Dennis, I was compelled because I'd heard him earlier in the day doing a performance and I heard a bass line integrated into his acoustic playing. And I'm thinking, wow, that's really cool. So I talked to him afterwards and I said, hey, Dennis, how do you do that? What? He goes, meet me at the pool in a half hour and, and bring your guitar. I said, right on. So I go down there and he, he takes the song, The Birds, to everything, turn, turn, turn. And he demonstrates how you do this. And I said, so how do I learn that? And he says, go home and get a bass and start playing bass. And uh, I must, it must have been painted all over my face. Oh, I don't have any money, buddy. And uh, he says, so then go stand on the street corner and ask for a bass. So I said, hey, Dennis, you got a bass? He goes, go stand on the street corner and ask for the bass. So on the way home in the bus, we formed a band. It was like the Partridge Family 8. And, uh, 
And I became the bass player, and we had a blast. Now, years transpired, about 22, 25 years. It gets fuzzy after the 70s, um, where I never played bass again. And a couple years ago, Stephen needed bass for our Easter service. And so, you know, he's heard all the stories. Falling asleep, putting up with all of them. And uh, so he said, hey, would you be interested in playing bass? I'll, I'll let you use my dad's bass. What a great time that was for me. My son was playing drums, and if you know anything about music, the drums and the bass are very syncopated together. They have to work together. And what a great thing to do that with my son and serve the Lord together by playing music. And then just shortly after that, I, so I was so excited about playing bass game, but I didn't have one. And so somebody gave me a birthday gift of some money, and the next thing you know, I had this great opportunity to pick up a bass. And so now, every once in a while, on a Friday when it's my day off, I just turn Pandora on the computer, I hook up my bass, and for about two, three hours, I'll just play. And everybody leaves, the dog, the rabbit, everybody leaves the house. And, uh, but I'm in, I'm in seventh heaven. I'm, I'm absolutely loving life. The gift keeps going. Well, what do we do with this connection? We can make the connection. Turn to John 3.16 if you're not already there. Is there a child in the house that can help me with this? John 3.16. Is there a kid somewhere here that can say John? Maddie, could you please come up here and, and say John 3.16 for us? Don't look into the light. You can just look straight here. All right. Fantastic. I told you angels appear. <laughs> All right. Go ahead and say it, Maddie. God still loves the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Thank you, Maddie. Now that went so smooth, you think we know what we're doing, but nobody set that up. That was incredible. Um, thank you, Maddie. That's fantastic. And the message of John three sixteen is powerful and is connected to us. It's connected to the Christmas story. Let's look at it. We can make this connection. And we're going to go a little bit further than 16. We're going to go to 18. So let me start. We've, we've already heard 16. Let's go to 17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Those are powerful words. And often we hear John 3.16, but we don't go into 17 and 18. And I think this morning, for the sake of us making this connection, it's crucial that we look at 17 and 18. Let's look at the point here. You, you, you see uh, 16 and 17 listed. Let me bring up the points that I want us to hit. Number one, this gift starts with love. This gift is given in love. And out of love, He gave to you and I. He being God. And what did He give? He gave the one thing He had. His only Son for you and I. Why did He give us this gift? Focus. Focus on this. So that you and I would not perish. But that we would have eternal life. Well, pastor, I've heard that 
a lot of times. As a matter of fact, I could probably even just say it right now. If you don't grab the value of what's being stated there, you're not making the connection, my friends. If you go to verse 17, maybe it'll help us. For God did not send His Son. Did you catch that? Prior, we hear John say, hey, God sent His Son, so out of love, He gave His Son so that you and I might experience eternal life and we might not perish. He kind of knew what you and I were going to think. So John writes these words. He says, He did not send His Son. In case the connection's getting a little wonky here. He did not send His Son. Why? Into the world to condemn. Many of us have the wrong connection. We're getting some fuzz over the line. And, and that fuzz sounds like this. God is about making me feel bad about myself. Jesus points out my sin. If I place my trust and faith in Jesus, then I have to humble myself and admit that there's something wrong with me. And my impression of God because of that is that He just kind of lords over me and He's pointing out all my faults. And I just tell you, you got too much static on the line if that's where you're at in your understanding of God. John said it. The Father did not send the Son to stand over you and I to condemn us. Well, that's great, Pastor. That's great news. But here's the challenge, my friends. I wish I could stand in front of you and say that I've been perfect. Close. I made one mistake up there. Keith can tell you where it was. I just made two because I lied. Anyway. If I commit one sin, I am what? I'm guilty. I am condemned. I am self-condemned. My kids may want to be Huffmans. My kids may want to be uh, Conneries. Tough. Those are great families, but they're cooks. For whatever that stands for, they're cooks. It's a package deal. They're born cooks. Guess what? I was born a sinner. Therefore, just because of that, I'm already condemned. I'm already condemned. So this message about the cradle to the cross is not about condemnation. It's about salvation. God loved you. He still does. And this gift that was given is a substitution. The other night I was sitting in my family room and it was freezing cold. And it was 1.30 a.m. and I was praying over this message. And the lights were on on the tree, trying to have that Christmas moment. And uh, I just started praying. And all of a sudden, I made a connection on this that I've never made before. You see, I was supposed to pay my penalty. Isn't it fascinating that God decided to insert Himself into the world and take on flesh that looks just like you and I? For what purpose? To go to the cross and pay the penalty that I should pay. 
You see, He had to take on our form. Because I should have paid that penalty. You should have paid that penalty. So He is a substitution for you and I. And all of a sudden, there was an understanding of the cradle of Christ, of God coming to earth and taking on human form that had never connected for me, ever. That the satisfaction for that penalty was that I should have suffered. I should have bled. I should have died. God so loved the world. What about that connection? It's interesting. You know, somebody's got to go to jail. It's an almost Shakespearean quote from a Nicolas Cage movie. One of the finest. The end of National Treasure. Harvey Keitel, the FBI agent, sitting there. Nick Cage is sitting there. And he says, I really don't want to go to jail. And the FBI agent turns to him and says, somebody's got to go to jail. There's been laws that have been broken. That's what I deserved. But Christ took my place. You know what? In order for it to be worthy, He had to take on human form. So it was almost as if I was hanging there. It's almost as if you were hanging on there. That's the connection, my friends. That's the connection. So where does that leave us? leaves us with two things. Number one, this morning, if you don't know Christ, if you haven't made that connection yet, I implore you, Pursue Him. Pursue Him. Seek after Him. If there is even the slightest part of you that's hearing about this and you're saying, you know what? It's appealing, but it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Welcome to the club. Scripture says that we only know in part now. 1 Corinthians Chapter 13, we only know in part now, but then when we're in heaven, we'll know fully. But that's what faith is. And Christ will help us with that faith. But if there is an element that is speaking to you now that says, I want that connection, can I implore you, go after it. Go after it. You know, later this week, you got just because you don't know what the deal is with it, that that isn't characteristic of us just walking away from it. I'll, I'll prove my point later this week. You know, some of you will haul your trees out to the curb, and it always happens. There's a present left under the tree, and it might have been a week later. It might even be two weeks later because you missed the pickup, so your tree's been there rotting to death in your in your family room or living room. And there's still this present that nobody is opening because there's no name. Nobody can figure out who it belongs to. And so you're just going to leave it there, right? All year long. You're just going to leave that present there and nobody's going to touch it. No! You're going to open it up and figure out whose it is. Welcome to the undescribed gift. You may not know everything about it, but it's appealing, isn't it? Pursue. Open it up. And see if it's for you. But don't hesitate. Secondly, for those that name Christ as their Lord and Savior, make haste. Make haste. 
Many of us may have put other things in our way of worshiping God. The shepherds that night, they may have been making, uh, making haste and there was a falafel stand off to the left. Uh, that would have been me. Shawarma, falafel. Hold up, guys. You know, this guy's good. He's really good. Cousin of my uncle. I'm not going to say some made up name. I, I restrain myself. You see that? That's the first time ever. First time ever I restrain myself. There is a God. We get distracted. And what I implore you to do is examine your hearts and say, are you making haste? Are you making haste towards the child, towards the cradle, towards the cross? Are you making haste towards Christ? Secondly, what we learn from the shepherds is what? That they proclaimed. They shared what they learned. We have to proclaim it. We have to share it. And it it reminds me of that man that stood across from us last night. He was proclaiming. I don't know everything he was proclaiming, but he was proclaiming. It was evident to all of us that that message of those carols was speaking to his heart. And he came back and he proclaimed to us. Even though it wasn't easy to reach across all those shoppers. He proclaimed to us. The child of Christ. You know, when I received that clarinet, it was a great gift. And I may not have learned how to play that very well. Then that led to going to guitar. Then that led to bass. And then that led to me being in a choir this morning. And as I so appropriately put it earlier, I can't sing for a snot. But what a gift of music that was introduced to me long ago so that I might be able to share in the abundance of that. Sometimes we don't fully understand the gift initially, but then it opens up to incredible avenues of blessing. This morning, make the connection from the cradle to the cross. I'm going to pray for our offering this morning. And as part of second service, I'm going to ask if we can bring up the house lights a little bit. How many of you guys struggled with reading your scriptures this morning with the darkened room? We wanted you to. You need to pray more for healing. See, your prayers worked. Um, We have something very special for you. This service and this service only as, we, as the men prepare to take the offering. Our offering is going to go elsewhere. It is not going to Concord Bible Church from this service. We're very excited. Now, I don't know if we've got this fixed yet. No. You're going to have to interpret Swahili uh, something or other. <clears throat> I'll be the uh, interpretation for you. Our offering for this service is going to go to World Visions Share a Gift. And the way that this program works is that you can buy a goat, you can buy a rabbit, you can buy livestock, you can provide money for a well, you can provide money for crops that are self-sustaining, so that a community somewhere in the world is able to not just receive a gift, they're able to produce more and more and more so they can become more sustaining. It's a great, great outreach by World Vision. 
And so we want to send that gift. I just heard this morning, Operation Christmas Child, that we participated in November. We have confirmed that at least one of our boxes went to the Philippines, to one of the families that's suffering there. So that's what this church is about. If you're visiting today, God has blessed us. We continually want to reach out with the blessings that we have. So that's where this offering will go this morning. Again, if you're visiting with us, we're glad you're here. Take the message that you've heard from the songs, from the scripture, let it into your heart. In a moment as I pray, I'm going to give you an opportunity in your bulletin. There is a card that explains how you can know Jesus Christ. I implore you, look over that card. For those of you that have taken that step of faith, but you need to get the connection clear, do it. Do it. Don't just look at Christmas as a focus on the cradle. Understand that it started there and it went to the cross for us as a gift. And that practical outworking just keeps going and going and going, doesn't it? Amen. Let me pray for us this morning. And then at the end, be sure, parents, to take your kids over to the tree. And for those that would like, again, one poinsettia per family. You may come grab these poinsettias from behind. Just don't knock the candles over. We're hoping to pay off the building somewhere soon and there's no fire extinguisher in here. Let me pray. Father, it is a blessing to be gathered in your name today. But I pray that we look at the cradle in connection to the cross. That we don't miss what the angels were saying. We don't miss what the shepherds were saying. We don't miss what you were saying. And that the significance of Christmas is that you are giving us a gift that will grow and grow and grow. And that on the initial sense, we see Christ. We see Him as a child. But He's so much more. He's so much more. Father, I pray for those in the room right now that Your Spirit would clearly make, abundantly clearly make, the understanding of their need for You. And this morning, I'm just going to ask, again, just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed just for the sake of this. So that I can know if the Spirit's been talking to you this morning. And I don't want to pray wrong. So if you look up at me, I'm going to just assume that I'm praying for you to accept Christ. So this morning, if you are looking for Christ, and maybe you don't get it all, that's okay. It's just like the present still under the tree. But there is any element, any part of you that's saying, I need to seek. I need to seek. I don't get it completely, but there's something about it that's speaking to me and I want to pursue. If that is you this morning, I would like to pray for you. So I'd like you just to look me in the eyes wherever you're sitting. If that is you, just look only you, only the ones that that would apply to. If that is you. Amen. Amen. Secondly, those of you that know the connection, but it's unclear. Take time this Christmas. Get a clear connection with Christ. Experience the gift in the clear way that it's supposed to happen.
And I'm going to pray over you right now. Lord, for those that looked up wanting you in their life, I praise you for working. Let them continue to pursue you. Speak to their hearts. Give them great joy. Let them know what it means to know Christ in their life. Let them not rest one day without pursuing you. And for those of us that need to clear up the connection, let us pursue with great haste that relationship with the cradle and the cross. Father, take this offering that we're giving now, use it around the world for Your glory to help those in great need. Multiply it like the fishes and the loaves. Use it as a great gift. Thank You for all that You do, all that You have done, and all that You are going to do. We give You praise. Amen.